Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast, the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive politics has a lot to offer the modern world. Woo! I'm your new host, Hannah Shaw, and I'm Yay, here well. with... Woo. Go, uh, Hannah. Uh, I'm here with Alison McGovern, MP, Hello. and Progress Deputy Director Steph Lloyd to chat about the news of the week. Yes, yes you are. But, but Although... Before we do that, yeah. mm. Steph and I, as the kind of initiators of the uh, Progressive Britain podcast... I'll get, we're going to do, Hannah, now that you're here fully on board as the new host of the podcast, we're going to do to you in reverse what we did to Connor last week. So you're going to get a series of questions. All right. Because, and... you know, if you're going to ask the questions as the host of Progressive Britain, you should really know what that feels like, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. You're going to go first, Ali? You got I one? I am. I am. I've got one. Of all the podcasts that we've done, Hannah, on the Progressive Britain podcast, mm. which was your least favourite <laughs> I can't say that. You can. Yes, you can. We I, made Connor do it, although he was leaving, so he was like... I love them all yeah. equally. Really? No, you, they're, yeah, but, they're all like all yes. your children. Yeah, but the, you always like a child more, so which one Which one do you prefer? I uh, Well, which one do you... No, it's not prefer, which, which do you not which, like? Which one did you think we just didn't quite make the most of that? Um, I think it was actually one that I was on. Go on. Um, and it was the... Uh, it was a particularly long one. Come on. Um, Spit it out. About European uh, trade and holidays. Oh, really? That was quite long. Okay. Yes. That was quite long, yeah. Brexit's yes. got many facets. Lots and lots of I, Brexit. I hate to tell you this, mate, but we might have a lot of Brexit chat to come in the future. Mm -hmm. if, if you were hoping that <laughs> your hosting of the podcast would mean less Brexit. I don't mind as long as I get to slag off the DUP. I was th th thinking about this this morning. I was like, okay, so I'm... Pakistani and people talk about how, you know, re religious extremists run our country and run lots of countries. If we were talking about another country, we would genuinely be saying right now that it's an incredibly weak regime being propped up by some random religious extremists who are sending the country into turmoil. But, but Hannah, we don't say those things about white people. What are you thinking? <laughs> well, we do now. Okay. <laughs> that is the new look at the Progressive Group podcast. <laughs> Steph. What? Oh, I hadn't even thought of one. I was too busy with the chat. Um... I'm trying to think of what was the funny ones that we did to Connor. Oh, okay. So you asked Connor who was his favourite out of you and Wes. Yeah, I did. I'm going to be really controversial now. Who's your favourite, me or Ali? <laughs> oh. Dun, dun, dun. oh, You're totally no. not going to ask this one. I'm absolutely, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to politico my way out of this and yeah. say that you both have your own qualities. <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, it's obviously me, right? 
I give her sweets every day. She does give me sweets every day and you give me ex an economics chat every day. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I can't do that. Exactly. I can't do that. Exactly. That's not where I am. So exactly. I feel like you both offer something and without each other, I wouldn't be as happy. Like if I didn't have the economics chat, but it's, I have this sweet. This is very political. Yeah. yeah. We come as a pair. We do. Okay. New question. Go on. Because uh, that one was mean, to be fair. It was a bit. Yeah, was dream mean. podcast guest. Oh, dream. Oh. I've been thinking about this for a long time. What did Connor say, Hillary Clinton? Yeah. But very flippantly. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, to be honest, annoyed me. Do but, you have you know. to be alive? Although we are the podcast that's about the future, not the past. So. I, said, I literally <laughs> said, do they have to be alive? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yes, they no. do. Um, who do I want to learn more about? It can be like, it can be like just somebody who you think... Is not political, but would be dead interesting politically. I think you should have my. I think my mum. I your, think she'd be great on the podcast. Your avid mom. listener, and she always listens. Hello, Steph's mom, and I'm sorry about the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to become a weekly regular feature now? No. What's going to become more of a regular feature is every time that she listens to the podcast now. So she was used to be like, "I love Connor's voice." She'd moan about us and swearing, and then <laughs> sorry she'd again, tell me, Steph's mom. She'd tell me that I don't speak properly on the podcast. But mm. now, now you're on it. That's that's going to amplify significantly. I mean, sorry. Nah. Yeah, it is. I feel it. bad. So come on then. Who's your dream? Who's your dream podcast Actually, guest? Actually, I think for the moment, just for this week, Ariana Grande. What? Okay. Ooh. No, actually, that's an interesting shout. Obviously, okay. made a uh, free citizen of the city of Manchester. Yes, exactly. I didn't know that. Yes, I yes. didn't know that. So after the concert. After well, the concert. she's going to be, you know, that she, the rumour has it she's headlining Manchester Pride. Yeah. Really? Yeah, mm. although, mm. so this is LGBT History Month, so it's like a big month for me. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Celebrate my people. Mm. Um, they are charging £70 for tickets wow. for Manchester Pride. It better be Ariana Grande. Yeah, but we had Britney at Brighton last year and it was 20 quid. Wow. Like, it is outrageous. The commercialisation of our of our culture. There you go, Hannah. It's a problem. You can, you can, yeah. in, you can interview Steph about all <laughs> of these matters. All <laughs> of these matters arising. So, Ariana Grande, because? Because I think she's been through a lot and it'd be really interesting to hear from her as a young woman in the public eye. Having been through so much, and I've been through so many relationships, I think the culture of celebrity and personality around her that's grown up is just amazing. And also because she just does some really interesting things. Like, have you seen that she had a tattoo? No um, And it was meant to say Seven Rings after her new song, Seven Rings, which is kind of like a riff on my favourite things. Right. But it's not the Big Brothers version, which I actually preferred. It's also called right. My Favourite Things. Or the John Coltrane uh, the John Col Well, obviously that was the original. Yeah. Riff. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love that. I'm going to talk to you about actual music, not... <laughs> that was the original. Not, not, the, not the phenomenon that was Big Brothers with a Z yeah. in the early Big noughties. Big Brothers. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I think I'll still I'm still convinced you weren't even born when that came out. I know, but sure. And she. And what happened with this tattoo? So she had a tattoo, and it actually said something like Japanese takeaway on it, and she had it done no. in Japanese. Sure. I'm sorry. When you have that much money, and firstly, your song is about the fact that you've got all of the money in the world. Yeah. Like, get a translator that works. Yeah. That's yeah. And then she had it changed, and it was still apparently wrong. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you'd ask her about all of that. Ask her about all of that and like what it means to be in the public eye and how she feels about it. That's quite cool. Well, mm. anyway. cutting edge political chat here, aren't we? Speaking of the cutting edge political chat, I think we had better have a few minutes on Brexit. Now, Henna, 
you are later in the podcast going to interview James Kirkup. Yes, from I am. The Social Market Foundation about their very important research today mm. about the connection between austerity economics and Brexit. Yeah, I am. And meanwhile, here in Westminster, we are knee deep in the processology of Brexit because the state of play is that the Prime Minister is due to come back to the House of Commons uh, a week uh, tomorrow. No, hang on. Next Tuesday. On will it be next Tuesday? It will be next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Schoolgirl podcast era. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, uh, about um, the next steps. And that will obviously be a motion that's amendable. So we are all here busy talking about amendments. Mm-hmm. Rumour has it that the next meaningful vote will be Valentine's Day. Is that true? Yeah. I think so. I think so. So we'll... Excellent. I cannot have Valentine's Day plans because of work <laughs> now rather than just a tragic love life. <laughs> yeah, well... It's perhaps for the best day. <laughs> Always. But uh, what actually is going on with Brexit? Shall we try to explain? Yeah. So you, you're, I believe you're setting us a challenge, aren't you, Hannah? I am setting you a challenge. Uh, I'm going to each of you 15 seconds to tell me what is going on, because I, for one, would find it very useful to hear, and two, I kind of want to explain to all my friends what's happening. Okay, and you get <laughs> f- you get 15 seconds on to speak on an Instagram story. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. I'm still a bit of an old person with this, but Joe, our colleague at Progress, has been trying to help me understand how Instagram stories work and making me explain things in 15 seconds, because that's how long you're allowed on an Instagram story. Now, I have taken my watch off. And I'm ready. Steph, are you going to so, go first? N- no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. And so is it what's happened so far? Is it what's happening this? What's the question? I want to clarify the question. What happens next? I think what happens next in the, and what context? Maybe a little bit of context if you have time. But you've only I've, got 15 I have seconds. time in 15 seconds. I think you should go first, Ali. Okay. All right, Am I timing it? Yeah, it's the You're passing me over the pink stopwatch. Love I love it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's the bottom button there. Okay. Just have a... Purple baby jean, it reminds me of that. Does it? Yeah. I, I, I love Casio watches, they're my thing. Ready? Nostalgia is a bad thing in life, apart from watches. Casio watches. Yeah. Ready, steady, go. Well, the Prime Minister hasn't got her deal through yet. She's going to try and get her deal through the House of Commons again, but it's very difficult for her because her MPs don't want to vote with her. Meanwhile, the uh, anti-Brexit group across the House are trying to find a way forward. So we actually take a decision about what happens rather than just Stop. continue having this drift. <laughs> Well, that was utterly inaudible for everybody listening to the podcast. <laughs> nice increase of pace there towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was all right. Anyway, we shall see. Right, Steph, I don't you even go need next. 15 seconds. Don't cool. even need it. Okay, go. Nothing will change. We will fall off a cliff. Everyone will stop pole beans and eat themselves. And there'll be a really, really big queue at Dover. Done. That was six seconds. Excellent. Clarity. What I'm really interested about <laughs> is everyone will eat themselves. It's not my fault. Yeah. I don't work in Parliament. I can't stop it. All right. All right. Okay. Hello, you can have a go at this. You ready? All right. Okay. Go. So make up and get a deal. Europe doesn't like us. We're not going to have Norway plus plus. We're not going to have Canada plus minus. I think I give a step. We're going to fall off a cliff and we're going to run out of toilet paper. And when that happens, everyone's going to be very sad. 13 and a half. 13 seconds and a half. And more importantly, we are going to move the Queen out of the country if it all kicks off. Good Lord. The Queen didn't leave during World War II. She's not going to leave now. I don't know why you both are kind of convinced. I mean, no deal could happen. But the one thing that we did win last week was the Spellman Dromey Mm. Amendment that meant that nobody in Parliament, like there isn't a majority in Parliament that wants no deal. But 
I agree with you. However, there isn't a majority in Parliament for people that want no deal at this stage that mm. would do anything. But that wasn't the meaningful, but like that was not meaningful, but like there wasn't the, that wasn't the substantive one in the way of being able to. There was no punch it behind that. Didn't have that, legislative was force. Thank mm. you. Words, actual parliamentary words. I was looking yeah. for. So the challenge now is to find a procedural um, device that has legislative force, and that, yeah. yeah, we do need mm. to do that. However, so I'm an eternal optimist. I just thought numbers. it was funnier for the 15 seconds. Okay, fine. All right. Uh, so Hannah. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. I'm very happy to be here. You'll be a great host. Yeah. And we're looking forward to it. And now we're going to go and listen to you uh, talk to James. Yeah, you will do. I'm excited. Thank Let's you. Go. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Great. So as we said before, I'm here with James Kirkup and he's director of the Social Market Foundation and they're releasing a report that's out on Thursday. It's about austerity and Brexit. So James, tell us more about this report. Hello. Uh, well, this is a report that we are publishing with our partners at the Centre for Competitive Advantage in the Global Economy. That's uh, a long word. It is. Uh, now, they are an ESRC-funded centre, so a bunch of academics, based at not exclusively at Warwick University Economics Department. So, yeah, essentially, they bring together economists, other academics from across the UK to look at how to apply academic policy to, or sorry, academic uh, economic analysis to day-to-day -day policy. So with them, we are going to publish this gigantic report on Thursday. Uh, it's called Which Way Now? Uh, economic Policy After a Decade of Turmoil. Uh, the point it's is... a big question. It is indeed. Um, the decade started in 2007-8 with the financial crisis, ended sort of with the you know, with the Brexit vote and the, and the fallout. And it looks at every, we're looking at everything from the causes of... Uh, the cause of the Brexit vote to essentially what social economic policy should should look and feel like afterwards in response to the questions raised by that vote. Okay, brilliant. So what did you find? 
<laughs> well, I you know, uh, well they to be fair this this is a report the work it's the work of the academics not not us at the Social Market Foundation we we are happy to publish their work and help promote it work with them but they a lot been well lots and lots of things and I heartily recommend everybody who wants to find out you know, find out all the things we 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 and they found read the report because on Thursday come along to one bird bird cage walk at seven o'clock on Thursday night and hear presentations from the authors but the headlines um, yeah, headline number one uh, some work uh, from uh, Timo Fetzer of Warwick University says that, um, you know, short uh, summary, if it wasn't for austerity, Britain would have voted to remain. You know, uh, I can unpack that a lot for you if you like. Um, That's um, a big one. Yeah, um, it is. Maybe not unpack that a lot, but maybe <laughs> unpack that a little bit. So okay. what are we talking about in terms of austerity? So what that, the finding was that if you look at the local authorities where, uh, local authority areas where austerity fell the most heavily. So biggest mm -hmm. cuts in public spending correlate quite closely with the rise in UKIP voting. Um, so that's, that's one part. Another part of it is if you actually look at individual voter behaviour, you can actually find, you often find a connection between particularly welfare, cuts in yeah. welfare spending, and a propensity to say things like, politicians don't listen to me, yeah, this country doesn't work for me, all, all the, the attitudes that are closely correlated with, with, with leave voting. Now, you know, through the magic of science and numbers and all that stuff and regression analysis that, yeah, that academics tend to do, Timo Fetzer and friends have worked out that... That sounds uh, like a band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they have suggested that if it were not for the impact of austerity, mm -hmm. the austerity shock, they call it, mm -hmm. then the leave vote would have been around about 9.9 percentage points lower. Now, wow. there's 3 million people who probably would have voted the other way, or more probably not voted at all, uh, the result being a fairly comfortable Remain victory. So, yeah, they, yeah. yeah that's, that, that's, that, that's their headline finding, austerity caused Brexit. Well, that's really interesting. And what I got from that was um, you described in your press stuff that these people were so-called marginal voters um, and specified a few things. So it was really interesting to me that um, you highlighted the, the aforementioned and terrifyingly named bedroom tax as one of the significant reasons on a sort of micro level oh. and on an individual level as to why people felt that they weren't as financially secure and why they moved away from liking the establishment. Um, what kind of policies do you think that the two main parties need to implement to address the concerns of these marginal voters? Well, that's a, that's a, almost a second finding in this report, I suppose, which, uh, again, looking at crunching up lots of numbers from the Understanding Society data set, huge, great, long-term study of voter behaviour, uh, the paper concludes that uh, one of the biggest predictors, best predictor of how someone voted in the referendum was actually, yeah, it wasn't age, it wasn't yeah, yeah, education, the rest, it was their degree of financial security. People mm -hmm. who were worried about their finances were much more likely to vote leave. Um, so, I mean, the short answer there is if you're going to address a feeling of financial insecurity, then how can you do that? There's lots of policies you can come up with. I mean, yes, some of it is benefits, obviously. So we know universal credit brings with it a high degree of uncertainty due to mm -hmm. the way it interacts with with earnings. And so people on, who, who are in receipt of UC while working find themselves exposed to much greater uncertainty. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look at labor market reform. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, it's a, you know, a long-running question as to whether or not there are people at the lower end of the labor market mm. yeah, experience significant uncertainty uh, and so lack of security. As an aside there, I think it was, because I keep my eyes on online fashion retailers, obviously, um, 
ASOS use a company called Hermes and they're a delivery firm. Yes. I think in the news this morning, they're offering the option to some of their workers about whether to pick slightly less flexible and slightly yes. more secure contracts. Um, and so are you sort of saying that legislating to provide workers with this sort of option might help? I think that, oh, well, I mean, I'm trying to avoid essentially saying it's all zero hours contracts mm. and insecurity. Because actually, Absolutely. if you look at the evidence collected by the ONS mm. on zero hours contracts, yeah. a number of people on zero hours contracts are quite happy with them. Okay. Yes, for some people, they work. They, they're, they're a flexible addition to whatever else people are doing in their lives. The point is, for some people, they don't work. Yeah. And I think it's important not to say all zero-hours contracts are bad and should be banned. I think we need a slightly more nuanced understanding of that bit of the labor market to say, in some cases, they're good, in some cases, bad. And certainly, the sort of, you know, the sort of thing that, 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 that Hermes and you know, companies like that are, are coming up with to say, actually, yes, you know, we are prepared to offer a degree, a degree, of, a tr- a degree of trade-off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get more security for you, uh, and also benefits as well. The question: If you if if you if you're not an employee, you're not recognised as an employee, and you're sick or you need mm. time off for kids or family, if you yeah, if you're in a situation where that means you don't get paid, that is not going to uh, engender a feeling of security or happiness, and that may well lead on to voting behaviour that has some negative consequences. Yeah. Say. So I guess a million dollar question is even amidst, or maybe let's try and ignore the Brexit chaos if we can for one week when Parliament's not having any votes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Uh, he has his head in his hands. <laughs> um, do you think either of the two main parties have a policy platform that can solve these concerns? Not really, no. Um, Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> not yet, maybe one day. Um, uh, I, I, no, I don't think e- either side has really uh, properly, yeah, properly grappled with it. And nor, yeah, nor do I think that actually through Brexit, particularly the Brexit conversation, that either side is really talking to the concerns of those the swing voters in the middle. I think that I, I think that they're both talking too closely to the the more committed people on yeah. the yeah, the fringe, yeah, well, the fringes on either side of the conversation and Absolutely. not to the, the swinging marginal people in the middle. Okay, fantastic. Um, one more thing that I found was really interesting uh, was the fact that you said it is generally financial security or a feeling of financial security or insecurity which uh, led to people's votes in this report. Um, and surprisingly, not age or education. I just wanted to grapple with that a little bit. It said there that actually it was only 18 to 24-year-olds who are significantly more pro-Remain, which is actually quite surprising to me because we seem to be painting this picture of everyone who's a Libra sort of being 95 and it's because of all these 95 year olds yes. that were leaving the EU. In fact, that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, that that is one of the most persistent um, and there is a evidence resistant narratives of post-referendum politics that you know, the leave vote was delivered entirely by some vast teeming horde of racist pensioners in Lincolnshire. Mm. Um, if you, yeah, this, is not the, this is not the only finding yeah, of this sort, but you say the, our, our paper, the Cage paper, based on understanding society data again, says that across pretty much every age group except the 18 to 24s, the propensity to vote for Brexit was about, was about, yeah, round about 50-50, right, yeah, right across the border from, from 25-year-olds through to 90-year-olds. Um, yeah. Uh, so the, you know, the the idea of an extreme sort of age skew doesn't really, isn't really borne out in that data, and that 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 is, that is also fine, you know, 
that has been shown in, in various other bits of polling and analysis as well. And yet the the media political mm. narrative that says anybody under 50 was wildly pro-EU and mm. anybody over uh, over 50 well, he was hugely, hugely yeah, pro-leave mm. doesn't, you know, really, that narrative refuses to die. Um, uh, I and, guess it's not helped by sort of loads and loads of MPs and activists turning up on TV claiming that they fought the Germans in World War II when they're actually about 45. Uh, um. We can talk all day about <laughs> the ghosts of history and Britain's weird relationship with the past and the the, the obsession a lot of people in the conversation have with a war that they, they had nothing to do with. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Yes, no. um, so I guess the million dollar question is, why do you think, another million dollar question, why do you think that so many people uh, voted? Why Or why do you think this... 50-50 split across people exists? Um, well, uh, I, I suppose that is a more than a million dollar question. That's a, you know, that's a, you know, several billions, billions of pounds worth of GDP lost a uh, question. Um, uh, and to come back to our, the original conversation we were mm. having about you know, the you know, the swing voters who may have been swayed, you know, swayed on this by things like austerity, financial insecurity, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and this is the, the particular answer you'd expect from someone who runs a think tank. It's quite complicated. Oh. Um, I mean, we are forever searching for a single cause and a single explanation. Yeah. And even the academics, even the experts, dare I say, are still having this row between themselves looking for a binary choice. And you've got one bunch of people on one side who say it's all culture. It's culture and values. Yeah. And you know, the people of this country felt ignored and that their culture and their values wasn't being, you know, weren't being properly respected. And then you have another bunch of people again, academics, who say, no, 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 it's all about numbers, it's all about economics, mm. it, was all, it was all about living standards. And, you know, you know. Uh, and actually, chances are for different people, it will, be, it will be different things. And also those things actually interact in a different way. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, so my, 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 my not short answer, my long answer would be that for a lot of people, evidently 17.4 million people, uh, the interaction of culture, politics, society, economics did not work for them, and when presented with the opportunity to reject the prevailing economic and political settlement, they did reject it. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think that 17.4 million people voted to leave the European Union because they were deeply concerned that the operation of the Aki communautaire infringed on the sovereign rights they were they were given by Magna Carta. Mm. Um, I think it might have been about some other stuff as well. I mean, that, that, that may be <laughs> true. That may be true. That may have been true for Bill Cash and Jacob Rees Mogg. <laughs> but I don't think that yeah, that was the you know, those were the prevailing reasons for all 17.4 million people on the Leave side. And that's the thing which bizarrely and amazingly, two and a half years later, here we are. We we sit in Westminster. This is still barely talked about. You know, you know, yeah, there are still there is still far too little conversation and discussion about the real reasons why people voted the way they did in the referendum, uh, and the people sitting in the House of Commons, you know, still talk about trade policy as if people genuinely flocked to the polls in twenty yeah, sixteen because they were really, 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 really keen that we should have the right to strike our own independent trade deal with New yeah. Zealand. Desperate um, to have some chlorinated chicken. <sighs> Tasty. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, one last question. What do you think is going to happen next? We've got the big vote next week. Any ideas? Bad things. Bad things. There we go. On a cheery note, I'd like to leave you, James Kirkup. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with me, Hannah Shaw. Thank you very much to Progress Deputy Director, Stephanie Lloyd, Alison McGovern MP, and Director of the Social Market Foundation, James Kirkup for their wonderful insights this week. Join us on Friday for a review show. In the meantime, 
please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Have a lovely week. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton who produced this podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.